I'm Rachel. And I'm Becky. And this is Rachel and Becky Judge Things. We have some notes about your favorite things. Don't add us. I mean, this was perfectly acceptable. Perfectly acceptable notes. podcast we watch something we have heard about from the internet maybe the internet loved it or maybe the internet hated it and we judge for ourselves whether the internet was right or wrong because the internet is often wrong uh and we tell you what we thought yeah what did we watch this time uh so we watched the sequel to all the boys i love i loved before which is called ps two to all the boys i loved before (laughs) which is called ps i still love you um, Which is a little bit of a spoiler about how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, we watched uh, To All the Boys I Loved before uh, a couple years ago, a year or two ago. Yeah, whenever it, it was came a out, while ago. People, it was very buzzy. People were very ex- excited. Yeah, and I feel like this one didn't have as much buzz because it's a sequel, but it was, you know... Excuse me, High School Musical 3 had more buzz. <laughs> High School Musical 3 was the <laughs> rare movie that left from, or franchise that left from being a direct-to-TV cable movie to being a theatrical release and not the other way around. It was amazing. I loved it. Uh, this is, I guess, like High School Musical, a romantic comedy? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a romantic comedy. Oh, my, sure. my confusion was it how to classify High School Musical. Oh, fair. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's a classic story of a boy who wants to go to college to play basketball and thinks that they won't also let him be in the drama department for some reason. You know... Tale as old as time. I mean, I'm pretty and sure that's also for Stanford in March. <laughs> this... We should do a special episode about High School Musical. <laughs> we can do special episodes about all the High School Musicals, and we don't even need to rewatch them. <laughs> I have seen High School Musical a hundred times. Ask me anything. Anyway, sorry. Uh, that was a tangent. Anyway, so so to all the boys I loved before and the sequel are both uh, cute teen romantic comedies on Netflix that are based on the YA books of the same name. Uh, there is a third book, so I can only assume there will eventually be a third movie. Yeah, they filmed it at the same time they filmed this one. Oh. So it's already done. Cool. Um, yeah, and they were super cute. Yeah, I, I, I liked them. Like, I definitely have some... Some some commentary, I guess, but they're really they're very cute, yeah, they're I'm, very charming. You won't you won't be mad you watched it. Yeah, I'm trying to. So we we watch a lot of Netflix rom coms on this podcast because we love rom coms, and Netflix has decided to to bring them back, which is great. Yeah, I'm glad somebody wants to bring back rom coms because for a while there there were no rom coms. Yeah, and this is this is you know a, a teen movie. It's not so it is closer to like a Disney style movie than something than like the falling in love or oh, yeah. the Christmas Prince, etc. Well, Laura Jean is sixteen. Something yeah, she must be sixteen. I think she explicitly says when the old lady offers her booze. She's oh, like, she says she's 16. sixteen, yeah. Um yeah, so we watched the first one a year or two ago. I didn't remember a ton about it, except that we did actually really like it. Um, we liked it. I, we specifically liked, I remember liking a lot the scene where she goes over to Peter's house to have dinner, and they ask her about if she misses her dead mom. And she's like awkwardly like, yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know, you get by. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really true. Otherwise, I think we kind of were indifferent to it. 
Like, I know, is it Noah Centineo is the boy in this one? Could be anything. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not Timothy Chalamet. It's, it's, it's definitely not Timothy it's Chalamet. Noah it's Noah Centine- something. I think it's Centineo. And the internet for a hot minute was madly in love with him. And I think overall we were like, she's so cute and he's kind of nothing. Like he, a charming nothing, but he's, he's kind of nothing. He's a such a generic white dude who you would cast as a jock in a high school movie. Like Yeah, and he, he is very acceptably a jock in this, it, which is fine, but like... Yeah, I remember liking the first one because I'm a sucker for fake dating, which is the whole plot of the first movie, um, and that it really did have that core emotion of being driven by the way she missed her mom and the way that her family interacts since her mother has died and the way his parents were getting divorced and he was kind of messed up about it and and the way they talked felt really earnest and real about those emotions and then also it was a rom-com which was cute i remember and it came up in this one as well i really like her because she's a very specific character she's not generic teen girl like she falls down a bunch but she's not sailor moon she doesn't (laughs) she she likes to bake and she's very specifically very romantic and very dreamy and she's very soft she loves romance novels and she thinks of the world as a romance novel and that's how she imagines everything happening and that's why she has trouble sometimes dealing with things that are happening that are not soft and romantic and it's it's nice it's a real girl who really exists in the world this type of girl yeah and it's i I like that comment because it's not it's so easy in a rom-com to have generic girl and generic boy and this feels like she is a very specific girl which is great i think he could be a more specific boy yeah and i think that's kind of one of the flaws anyway should we should we recap the movie sure so in the first movie there had been shenanigans she uh she wrote a bunch of love letters uh, when she was younger to the boys she was falling in love with uh, and kept them as sentimental items, and her wacky younger sister, Kitty, uh, actually sent them to all of the boys, and in the wake of her trying to avoid her older sister finding out she was in love with her boyfriend, uh, she ended up throwing herself wildly at one of the other boys on the list who happens to be Peter, the most popular jock in school, who had just broken up with his longtime girlfriend, uh, and so they decided to fake date so that Lara Jean could avoid the embarrassment of dealing with this other boy and so that he could make his ex jealous. And obviously they actually fell for each other and got together and it was very cute. So that's the first movie. Right. For Which... more detail, see our <laughs> podcast on that movie. Yeah, also they start the second one with a little recap of everything that Thank happened. Thank God. I would not have remembered that a bunch of those characters existed without yeah. that. Like I had forgotten about the ex-girlfriend. Yeah, and um, I certainly had forgotten, so one major plot point in this is that all of these characters had been, like, best friends in middle school, and that Lara Jean and Jen, the ex-girlfriend, had had a big falling out, and that she and Peter weren't close anymore. Like, I I had not remembered Mm. any of that. I just remembered she had a a wacky girl sidekick named Chris, because all wacky girl sidekicks have to have gender-neutral names. (laughs) It's it's a rule of YA. I didn't make that rule. It's just a fact. Yeah, it's just a fact now. Yeah, so in this movie, would you would you like to take the recap? Oh, or wait, sure, but you're going to have to remind me. So, Lara Jean is the most excited anyone has ever been to have a boyfriend, and it is a very real 16-year-old feeling where she's like, and we're going to go on a date, and it's going to be my first date, and she's so excited. Peter takes her to dinner, and he's kind of a goof, and she thinks it's very cute, and he's like, yeah, this place is nice, and she's like, oh my god, this is my very first date, and he's like, wow, you're a lot, but like in a nice way where he likes her. And the next day at school, 
his ex-girlfriend is like, oh, did he take you to such and such a restaurant? Because that's where we always went. I got sick of that place. And it's very mwah, mwah. She ruined all of your happy first date. And you can see Laura Jean being like, oh, everything he's doing with me, he already did with with Jen. Because he's not that creative. (laughs) So everyone in school, for some reason, has to do, I guess, community service. And they have a big community service fair. And I just want to say, as an actual school teacher, we require community service. This is not how the signups go, but okay. And Lara Jean signs up for the nursing home, and she's the only one who does because Peter and his bros have decided to sign up for, like, a grocery store or something. I don't know. They're, they're like, going through waste at a grocery store right, or right. something. And, and Lara Jean very correctly is like, go hang out with your bros. You'll be very, you'll be way happier. And he's like, all right. I mean, he, he, he offers to go with her, but he clearly doesn't want to. And she's like, no, go do your thing. I'm a nerd. I'm going to go do my nerd thing. And he's like, all right. Uh, so she goes to the nursing home where her older sister also volunteered, and there is a classy old broad. <laughs> a kooky old lady. Yeah, who is like, Lara Jean! And keeps trying to, like, give her alcohol, and, like, it's, she's very... She, she was a Pan Am stewardess in the 60s. She was one of the showgirls of the skies, and she'll make you a martini, Lara Jean. And that's going great, and then it turns out that the only other kid who has volunteered is one of the other boys to whom Lara Jean had mailed a letter, or her sister had mailed a letter, John Ambrose. John Ambrose. And I did think to myself, wow. That's weird that they call him John Ambrose. It's weird that she's Lara Jean and he's John Ambrose. Uh, Later on, there's a reason for that. But I had definitely spent part of the movie thinking, wow, that's weird. Yeah, Uh, me too. Uh, Yeah, so he he got the letter and wrote her back a letter that was like, thank you so much for sending me this. I was not that articulate when I was 11, but I also thought you were super cute, and here are all the things I remember about being friends with you that summer, but he had moved, like, a county over, I don't know. Yeah, close, close enough. enough to that they are yeah. volunteering at the same place, but far enough that he wasn't part of, like, their group anymore. Right, so she had thought about writing him back, and she'd even told Peter, I think I'm gonna write John Ambrose back, and Peter's like, uh, that's weird, and she's like, no, I'll do something normal, and then we get a montage of her trying to write, and it's all very <laughs> romantic because Lara Jean is Lara Jean and she stops she doesn't actually send it but she's definitely like dear John Ambrose remember when we were in love wait no not that so she and John Ambrose end up volunteering together and they have a lot of like very cute moments they play the piano and she sits way too close to him it's very flirty flirty and it is very clear that uh, because he's like so how's everybody doing and she's like oh you know Peter broke up with Jen and he's like wow that must be awkward for them I hope Peter's doing okay and she's just like um yeah and does not say Peter is my boyfriend now and there is no reason for her not to say it she's clearly sort of flirty with John Ambrose like she goes home and has a dream sequence like she did in the first movie a whole bunch of times where she's like I kind of thought when I dated one boy I would forget that all other boys will would stop existing but it turns out other boys still exist that's weird and as always it is much less complicated to be in love with somebody you're not actually dating because the person you're dating is a pain in the ass so so there's a valentine's day uh uh, thing where it's like their school lets you send singing valentines where the acapella club will come and sing to the person you pay them to. And at the beginning of the day, you first see this, and somebody's like, get ready, because Peter used to send Jen, like, five of those a day. Okay, can we also talk about how the fact that the entire school has been painted pink, and there are yeah. tangling in every hallway and every classroom, and the cafeteria is basically knee-deep in pink confetti, and that's not how... Well, and the acapella comes and interrupts every single class. Yeah, it's not... 
That does not. That's not what schools do? No. You may remember, like, Peter opens his locker and a cascade of pink hearts and candy and flowers that people have given him come rushing out and everybody's in love with Peter. He's like, ha, 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 ha. And Lara Jean's like, oh, I just made you this awkward little valentine for me. Awkward. And he does not send anybody to sing for her. And then it turns out he reads her a poem, which I recognize. Did you recognize? <laughs> I did. I, I knew that I had heard it. I didn't recognize it specifically. It's um, Lorelai Lee. It, Edgar Allan Poe. I can't remember what the woman's. But, but it's a very famous poem, but he has reworked it to be Lara Jean. And she loves it, and he gave her a necklace. And I thought it was going to be a locket, but they never I thought it was the same. It. And so she's like, great, I love Which it Which was so also much. very high school musical, too. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Right? Troy. T for Troy. T for Troy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gabriella, you can do better. Um, but yeah, so so he, and she's like, really, she's like, nobody's ever written me a poem before, and she's just so moved, and he's like, yeah. Yeah. In his defense, when she confronts him later, he comes clean, but she doesn't realize until she tells her elderly friend, like, oh, my boyfriend's so great, and he wrote me this poem, and she's like, oh, sweetheart, that's a great poem, but he's not Edgar Allan Poe. He has good taste, he is not a writer. <laughs> right, so uh, she and Peter make out in a car at one point, and then she's like, I'm not, I don't want to have sex with you, and he's like, really? In this car? You don't want to have sex right now in this car in front of your dad's house? That's so weird. <laughs> Uh, but in, like, a nice way. And she's like, I don't know, it's just you and Jen used to have sex all the time. Do you, like, miss having sex? And he's like, I don't know, if you want to have sex, I want to have sex, but, like... But he's also, like, he's not pressuring her at all. No, like he's, he's very good about it. He's not pressuring her. He's like, yeah, I like sex, but I like being with you, and I want to have sex when you're ready to have sex, and I don't want to do anything until then. Right, and it's it's fine, but it the movie makes it pretty clear they're not on the same page about a lot of stuff. Later, they'll have a fight where she's like, well, all the other girlfriends dress up for all the games. Do you want me to dress up like a cheerleader and paint your number on my face? And he's like, well, all the other girlfriends do. And she's like, yeah, but do you want me to? And he's like, well, it's not your thing. And she's like, right, but do you want me to? And he's like, I don't know. It would be nice. And it's just one of, the, one of our big questions, one of our big notes is, what do they have in common that they like about each other? Yeah. Because he is dreamy and popular and sporty, but he doesn't like the things that Lara Jean likes. And Lara Jean is smart and funny and nerdy, but she doesn't really... There's a scene where she's at a party where Peter and his friends are, like, doing... They're, play, they're playing they're play, beer pong. They're playing beer pong, and she's bored, and she's facing away from them, ignoring them, sighing about how boring all these parties always are. Which is a callback to the first movie when she went to a party with him. But it's like, okay, so his idea of a good time is not at all her idea of a good time. And they're going to go make out, but other than making out, what activities do they enjoy doing together? He also stands her up, where she's, like, waiting in a cafe for a while, and everybody's like, can I take this chair? She's like, no, my boyfriend is coming. But he takes forever to show up. Yeah. And it's, like, so hours she's, and hours later. She's increasingly frustrated with him, and she's increasingly weird about realizing that these are all her first, but they're not his first, and so they don't have the same meaning to him, even though he has not actually said or done anything to, like, be dismissive of them or make her feel that way. That's stuff that the movie makes clear is coming from her. Right, but it's it's very real yeah, stuff. Oh, it is absolutely... I'm, I'm not saying it's not. I just... 
like that's that's all like things that she is starting to get hung up on and meanwhile john ambrose is still really nice and charming and, and flirty nerdy. and and nerdy and they he like likes, the same thing yeah i was gonna say he likes the things she likes like volunteering or like helping old people or reading books there are all these flashbacks to them reading books together in a treehouse when they were little and like he's clearly on her level with regards to what college he wants to go to and his his future plans and stuff in a way that Peter is just not. And he makes he makes a couple comments that are very eye rolly about Peter, like, oh yeah, like how he always takes the last slice of pizza and he's so charming that no one ever calls him on it. <laughs> See, I found that hashtag relatable. Oh no, I absolutely did too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, John Ambrose, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and so eventually things kind of come to a head. Lara Jean invites everybody to the treehouse to dig up a time capsule they had all buried. So she invites John Ambrose and she invites Peter, but she still has not told John Ambrose that she's dating Peter. And Jen shows up because she used to be part of the friend group. And they dig up a time capsule, which they must have buried three years ago because they are 16. (laughs) Uh, But for some reason it has like Ashton Kutcher style trucker hats in it and a corn album. Wait, it was a corn or Lincoln Park. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Either way, it is not correct it for is the time period. Hilariously, like, what year does this movie take place? Well, because somebody earlier in the movie was like, remember watching Creed in middle school? And I was like, oh, with the, her gay best friend is like, I remember realizing I was gay watching Creed with you in middle school. And I, I was like, so if Creed came out three years ago, who was wearing this trucker hat? <laughs> Which was ten years before Creed. Yeah, yeah. it's very like, what? <laughs> yeah, and uh, it becomes clear to Peter that she has not told John Ambrose that she is dating Peter. And Peter and John Ambrose get a little shitty, and then Peter's like, you don't think I can help my girlfriend? And John Ambrose is like, uh... And then everybody leaves, and Lara Jean and Peter have kind of a big fight. And meanwhile, Jen is like, I didn't put anything in there. There's nothing in there that's mine. And it's very clear that she's lying, and everyone's like, okay, okay? And Lara Jean and Peter have, like, kind of a real fight where she's like, listen, I don't know how to be a girlfriend. I've never been one before, and you've always had a girlfriend, and I don't know what you expect from me, and you don't really communicate very well. And he's like, I'm a big dumb jock. Basically. Uh, and then, I don't remember, she bakes? She she bakes something, she, she has some reflection, and she's like, okay, well, that was weird, but I can be a good girlfriend, I'm gonna do this, and then yeah, she... she dresses up for the game, she puts on the full, like, regalia and colors and face paint. When she gets there, her friend is like, oh, by the way, he's been real snuggly with Jen, here's a picture on my phone, and when Lara Jean confronts him, he's like, well, yeah, I'm hanging out with her, she's having a tough time. And Lara Jean is like, what the fuck, dude? Although she would never say that because she's very cute. She doesn't swear, but... And he finally admits that he, A, knew that Jen took the video of Lara Jean that was kind of pivotal in the first movie, and B, that he had been planning to hook up with Jen, and it was only a coincidence that Lara Jean showed up, and so he hooked up with her instead, which makes Lara Jean feel like trash, and she's like, get on the bus, I don't need to see you ever again. Yeah, so they, they break up, and she's pretty devastated. Um... And meanwhile, she she and John Ambrose, they were supposed to be clearing out a room for a garden party at the retirement home, which is clearly a country club. Yeah, what, we, we need to talk about the retirement home later. Um, and But they found, like, this old banner for, like, the star dance, and they were like, well, what if we make it just, like, a real cool dance, and we don't assume that old people only want to play bingo, and, like, we actually put on a nice event. So they have put together this really cool event for all the old people and when they get there of course the kooky old lady is like oh you're not wearing that i found a dress for you and it's like this beautiful vintage 
dress. Well, this is also when we learned that his name is not, in fact, John Ambrose. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Everybody had always just called him John, and then Lara Jean was like, it's so funny that I'm Lara Jean and you're John Ambrose. And he was like, yup, that is weird. Hey, everybody, call me John Ambrose from now on. This cute girl thinks that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I just, I liked when you thought that because even though you were wrong you thought we had like a connection and I really wanted to have that connection so then I just told everyone to call me John Ambrose and I've been John Ambrose ever since (laughs) yeah which is like a little sad honestly but he's very cute and they go out they dance and then they go outside in this very fake snow it's incredibly fake and they their clothes aren't wet and they aren't cold yeah she's like aren't you cold he's like yeah and I'm like no you're you're so clearly not and they're like making snow angels with no coats on in their dress and suit and yeah and I, it was so fake. He is very charming, though. And then he kisses her, and then there's this pause, and he goes, I'm not the right guy. And she's like, you're not the right guy. And when she goes to go find Peter, Peter has showed up, even though they already broke up because he knows she's afraid to drive in the snow. And I did think that was genuinely very sweet. I had been sort of thinking she would show up at his house like, I'm so scared to drive in the snow, but I came anyway. Either that or that uh, John Ambrose was going to call him and be like, She's, she has real feelings for you, and you should come talk to her. No, I thought the driving in the snow was going to be Yeah, no, final. which I, I had not remembered, and that is... Well, because she says it earlier, when she's yeah. like, I'm a good driver now. Everything except the snow. I'm still scared of driving in the snow. Her learning to drive was a thing in the first movie, which so is So anyway, then they kiss, and then they're back together. Oh, but we skipped We skipped the, the best, best scene. scene. Yeah. Which is, she goes to the... She texts someone, I want to talk to you, or can I please talk to you? And she goes to the treehouse, and we had this moment, which I thought was kind of eye-rolling at first, where I was like, oh my god, is it going to be Peter, or is it going to be John Ambrose? Blah, blah, blah. But it is, in fact, Jen who climbs up the treehouse and is like, what? And she's let, Laura Jean is like, listen, I'm my deal is that I'm mad that Peter dated you first, but like that's not your fault, and I have to get over it and deal with it. And we were friends for a long time, and I miss being your friend. And Jen is like, he loves you, he never shuts up about you, and the only reason I've been talking to him is because my parents are getting a divorce, and he knows what it's like, and he's the only person who really gets it. But he's super in love with you, and you're all he talks about. Ugh. And also, the thing that I wouldn't let you see from the time capsule was our friendship bracelet that you and I made together in middle school that was, like, the most important thing to me, and that's why I put it in the time capsule. Whatever. (laughs) Um, And it was really nice to see them, because I had not been a huge fan of the Lara Jean blames Jen for everything that has gone wrong in her life. Yeah, and so it it was a really nice moment. But yeah, so then, then the movie ends with them back together oh right there was a whole thing where they made a lantern and they promised to never break each other's hearts because at the end she's like i guess we can't keep that promise it's not realistic but we can be a better thing which is dating (laughs) yeah and he's like cool let's do that yeah so that's the movie it's very cute you will be happy if you watch it you will feel satisfiedly rom-comery yeah it it's it's cute oh and there's there's a very minor subplot throughout where uh her dad has a crush oh, on yeah, the so divorcee next door or the divorcee across the street and the little sister is meddling and trying to get them together right and Lara Jean does a little meddling too she invites them to fake thanksgiving yeah and the the scene that you missed was actually very cute where she was like um i have a confession mrs reingold which is that the valentine that you got was from kitty it wasn't really from my dad and the woman's like really the glitter the hand-drawn glitter (laughs) valentine addressed to mrs reingold wasn't really from your dad It's so cute. It, it was very cute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kitty so, MVP. Kitty MVP of both movies now. She's so great. Yeah. So she's evil, but I really enjoy her. So that's the movie. Um, I would say it's a solid like B minus. The last one yeah. I think was a B, and this was like a B minus. Yeah, I think maybe the the first one was a B plus, and this is a B minus. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. 
I liked it fine. I'm clearly not super over the moon. Again, what my big thing when I watch a rom-com or I read a romance novel is I want to know what brings these people together, particularly if it's an unlikely pairing. Like, give me all the nerd jock falling in love and making a little kissing motion with my hands, uh, which you cannot see for it is a podcast. But, like, I love opposites attract romance. That's wonderful. But they have to be, like, unexpectedly, wait, you hate that? I hate that, too, and have something in common. Yeah, and I think I think some of this, it was hard to do in this movie because the first movie was closer to that, but I don't remember what actually brought them together. And, like, I liked them together fine. He was unexpectedly nice to her a couple yeah, times. Yeah, and, like... He clearly, he when every time she does something, like, she clearly wants some over-the-top romance because she is a very romantic, and he likes that, and he doesn't make fun of her for it. He's he's into it, and that's nice. But they don't, they have such different interests. Like, yeah, the thing she, at the party where she's bored and he's having a great time, and him being super into sports, and she's like, I can cheer you on, but she clearly doesn't care, and then she's very into volunteering and reading and... She spends a lot of time with her family, and he thinks those things are great, but they're not his things. Yeah, it's, I worry about their long-term prospects. I, I, there are a couple that, like... It's a high school tur- romance. It's, it's a, it's, it's a turkey drop Thanksgiving break freshman year of college, <laughs> like... I mean, we'll see how the third movie goes, I guess, but... Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, is that because it's a, a series of rom-coms, like, they're gonna end up together, they're gonna be the OTP, yeah, but... I think the biggest structural flaw in this movie is that it's a very rom-com trope for Lara Jean to have not told John Ambrose, but I don't think there's any way a girl as romantic as Lara Jean doesn't tell everyone she meets first thing. And I have a boyfriend! Yeah. Even if that's a new boy that she kind of used to like she's running into. I feel like that girl blurts out immediately, I have a boyfriend! Peter and I are dating! We're really very happy together! And she doesn't keep that a secret for... Two yeah, or I it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you, it but it it, really... it felt very forced. Yeah. Um, especially when she's like, "Oh no, I didn't realize that they were gonna both be here," and it's like, "You invited them both." Yeah. Like, how did you this think this was up. gonna? And like, she set the party up as like a blurted out fill-in when she was clearly trying to tell him that she had a boyfriend, and that came out instead. But like, it's very forced. I mean, I wonder if it made more sense in the book when you get more internal monologue. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But in the movie, it just seems like we're doing it for the trope, which yeah. is like doing it for the vine, but tropey, I guess. And it was just like, oh. But I, yeah. I, I will say a lot of the awkward emotions between her and Peter were stuff that I super felt. Because yeah. like, I was a nerdy girl in high school who dated a track star who was very artistic and fucked up. In ways that I found very romantic when I was 15, and spoiler, they were not. <laughs> yeah, no, they were no good. Um, sorry if you can hear the car alarm going off outside. Oh boy, it's our car alarm friend. It's back. <laughs> Somebody who lives on this block has a car with a very sensitive alarm. Yeah, and they keep parking right on the corner where people are too close to them. Anyway. Anyway, um, but yeah, like that feeling of like, oh, I have to tell my boyfriend that this is happening because he'll be really upset if I don't, even though I know that I'm not doing anything wrong or bad, and I know he'll freak out when I tell him, okay, so like... but you are projecting a little bit oh, because I, your boyfriend was emotionally abusive, and I don't think we're supposed to think that no, Peter no. would be emotionally well, that's, abusive. And especially the, the part later on where she doesn't tell John Ambrose, like, that wasn't it, but like the part at the beginning where she is literally thinking, like, I have to tell Peter, but I'm not asking for his permission to write John Ambrose back, 
but it'll be weird. But it'll be weird if I don't tell him. Like, I'm definitely projecting, but that felt very real to me. Well, it felt very real to me when she was like, I'm not that girl, but do you want me to be that girl? Are you dating me because you hope that I'll be that girl? Should I try to be that girl? Will you like me if I don't try to be that girl? Well, I don't want to be that girl, but will you keep liking me? is a very real, we just started dating and I don't know who you think I'm going to be in this relationship feeling. Because, ooh, a cat just licked my hand. <laughs> Unexpected. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a real thing, especially when you've been pining for someone and then you finally get together with them and there is the image you have of them and then there is the reality of dating them. Especially if you know their ex, because I dated someone in college who I had often had long conversations with where he was like, yeah, she just doesn't get me, man. I'm like, and I was like, yeah, that's right. I get you, though. We would be so good together. But I never said that. And then they broke up and we got together. And it was awkward. She was, like, hovering over the relationship the entire time we were dating. I, I totally feel Lara Jean on that one where it was like, oh, everybody knows you used to date her and you guys had sex all the time and we're not having sex all the time. Do you want to be having sex all the time? Am I better than her? Am I worse than her? Am I weird now? Like, it was insane. And I had that moment when I lost myself because I was trying to be better than her in all the ways that she hadn't been right for him. And it was weird. And, uh, spoiler, we did not get married. What? I know, it's weird. (laughs) I didn't marry my college boyfriend. I didn't marry my high school boyfriend. Oh, we are so good. We're doing great, actually. That's really good. So anyway, I just want to say that that emotional beat that they have when she's like, do you want me to dress up? And he's like, you don't like to. She's like, yeah, but do you want me to? I was like, yup. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's to some extent also like what the first movie did well. Is <laughs> there? say what the fuck? No. Is that there are a couple of emotional beats that both of these movies have gotten really right in terms of like, here's how real and painful and awkward this feeling is. And that's not something I think we get in as many rom-coms. Yeah. And so that is something I, I genuinely like it about these really two movies. It is really high schooly high school. It, 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 it felt yeah. very high school. Like, the high school is fake. Nobody has that much Valentine's glitter. Like, that's not how high school works, any of it. But the high school emotions where everything is very heightened and it all feels very life and death. Yeah. That is all very, very correct to my memories. Yep. Um, I want to put in a quick complaint here about that retirement home. You mean that country club? Yeah, what the fuck? First of all, none of the old people there are... Nobody's ill. Nobody's in a wheelchair. Nobody has any kind of... Problems because of age. At no, all. nobody's like losing all, like, their memories. Sixty-five and very spry. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, and the establishment because it's which is fine. It was called Bellevue. I expected it to be a hospital or a retirement home, and then in this sweeping establishing shot, it genuinely looked like the external shot for a country club. And which I was is like, cool. what? Maybe it's the healthiest, richest old people. But I also don't love old people as a cute plot device in a rom com. Like you know, the rapping granny. Yeah. I don't need a rapping granny or an elderly woman shouting, Go get him, honey! You can do it! Plant one on him! I don't love that trope where old people just become the crutch of the joke of like, haha, they're dancing, but they're old. Those old people are so horny. Yeah, or they're just like standing in the background rolling their eyes while Lara Jean and John Ambrose flirt. Or they're just like, that's right, Lara Jean, you go get him, girl. And it's like, okay, but all of these old people like have lives. They were the knitting club and the bingo. They have things to do with their lives. Besides, I, I just don't love old people as a prop. Yeah, and, and that that was. Like, I enjoyed the character, but the overall use of... Right, I didn't mind the one named person yes. there who was, you know, sassy and, and uh, sassy broad, but everybody else was just a prop. 
mm-hmm. and I didn't love that. Yeah, it was it was not the best. Um, I will say a thing I liked was the set they used for Lara Jean's room. I <laughs> want that to be my room. It yeah. was so cute. It's, it's the same as the last movie. Yeah, it's... We had the same conversation last year. Did I, I don't remember it, but I'm sure we did, because, uh, hashtag my aesthetic. Like, I want that ombre drawers painted dresser and desk set. The and, turquoise walls. Yeah. I mean, I have bright yellow walls and turquoise curtains. Yes, you do. And... I yeah. think we follow that conversation up by discussing her outfits and how incredibly cute all of them are. And this movie less cute. Less, Some of them were very cute. Yeah, but, but she wears a pair of pants at the nursing home that are no good. <laughs> and she has some very cute, like, miniskirt outfits, but she also has a couple of outfits where I was like, oh, girl, no. Yeah. That's all right, though. Nobody nobody bats a thousand. All right. So overall? Overall, I liked it. Yeah, it I was, I think, I think it was not as good as the first one, but it was still a fun watch that I, I enjoyed the whole yeah. time. It's funny, it's cute, I enjoyed it a lot. John Ambrose deserves. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like they did John Ambrose dirty, because he mm. was clear, like, he was a cute, fun, nerdy kid who, he's gonna have a great time in college, but I felt yeah. bad that he was only there to be an alternative to a guy who, where they didn't really sell us on the relationship. Yeah, Peter does a lot of like being a lot of like doofy. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, but he doesn't do a lot of like proactive good boyfriending. Yeah, and I felt like they they could have had him do more. Well, I feel like not without making Lara Jean more of a monster because yeah. she already comes across as a little bit of a jerk for not having told John Ambrose. So they were really trying to walk that line of not making either one of them seem like a bad guy. And if if. Peter had been nicer than Lara Jean is meaner for not appreciating yeah. him. Anyway, I understand, like, why that's a problem, but... But it was a bummer that John Ambrose didn't also get a happy ending. Yeah, John Ambrose deserves a girl who's not hung up on his ex-best friend. Yeah, maybe anyway. in the third movie. Anyway. Uh, so I have a recommendation. Ooh, it's been a while. Yeah, well, it's been a while since we recorded. (laughs) Carry on. Uh, So I would encourage anybody who is even mildly curious about it to go see Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which... That's the title of the movie? That is the title of the movie. Do not let it fool you. It is a Harley Quinn movie. The Birds of Prey are kind of incidentally there. Well, no, they're, they're very important, but it's a Harley Quinn movie featuring the Birds of Prey. Um, it was really good. Like, I don't know quite what I expected because it was clearly not, like, I didn't see Suicide Squad, but it was clearly not Suicide Squad. But there's a whole lot of baggage with Harley Quinn as a character, and it looked bonkers from all of the previews, and I was... So I was really excited about it because the woman who wrote the screenplay is also the woman who wrote the screenplay for Bumblebee. Oh, nice. Which Bumblebee we loved. Is great. If you, speaking of old episodes you can go listen to, we unexpectedly loved Bumblebee, the Transformers prequel. It was fantastic. It was so good. Um, and so she wrote the screenplay. It was also directed by a woman and right, it was- Right, pre- what's her name? Who plays Harley Quinn. Yes, Margot Robbie. Set up a production company specifically <laughs> so that she could do this and then hire women directors and women producers yeah. and women writers. And, they, and they've been doing other projects as well, which are also all written and directed by women, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I read a really interesting profile of Margot Robbie. Me too. It was probably the same one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she, uh, and she apparently loves Harley Quinn as a character now and wanted to actually write a movie that was about Harley Quinn and... 
that made her a really interesting character who does stuff and has agency. Uh, and so the Joker is not in this movie. Like there's they in the you know exposition at the very beginning. They're like, yeah, I was a psychiatrist, and then I fell in love with the Joker, and then I he pushed me into a vat of chemicals to prove my love, and then I had a nervous breakdown and went crazy. Uh, anyway, we've broken up, <laughs> and he's not there. And basically, like the like the aesthetic of the movie is Lisa Frank on acid. Um, but the fight scenes are all really well done. They're really well choreographed. Almost no one in the movie has superpowers, so it's really just a bunch of people brawling. Um, the other, it's a movie that is, it's actually the closest watch-alike that we have watched is actually Hustlers. Huh. Um, it is, it is not tonally at all the same, even though it is, they are both about female criminals who you root for, uh, because that is based on a real story and very realistic and Birds of Prey super is not. Um, But it is a story that focuses entirely on women who have in some way been filled by or fucked over by the system and are working outside of it and that is what eventually brings them together. Um, They're all, like, the cast is fantastic. And the only men with real presence in the movie are the two villains, uh, Ewan McGregor and his sidekick, who are having the most fun being incredibly ludicrous, like, over-the-top, flamboyant in every way possible, while also clearly being a statement on toxic masculinity. Cool. <laughs> like, it's, it's actually, I thought it was really well done, and, like, the, the main bat, Ewan McGregor, is a violent misogynist in it, who is also painted as a whiny baby who is entitled and feels he is entitled to women, and then you see some, some violence, but the movie actually doesn't center the violence. Like, there's a scene where I was going into it, I was like, oh no, where there's like a, a woman who is being humiliated, but the whole thing is a close-up on her face, you don't see her body, and the point is not to see her humiliation. The point is to be horrified by his behavior and it doesn't exploit her in showing that, which is a really fine line to walk. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's real good. Like, I, I, it was funny and fast-paced and the fight scenes were great and the aesthetic is great. It manages to be a Harley Quinn movie that is, lets her be over-the-top and ridiculous and very sexy, but not in a male gaze way. Like, she's- her costume is ludicrous, and it does look like something that Harley would pick out for herself as she's roller skating through a park (laughs) somewhere, stealing things from a street cart. Like, I don't know. Um, and all of the other female characters are great. Their take on Dinah was amazing. Their take on Renee Montoya was really good. She is a character who has an ex-girlfriend on screen. Her ex-girlfriend is Ali Wong, and that's not, like- a thing. It's just like, yeah, this is my ex-girlfriend. She works for the DA and she just totally fucked me over. Um, and the other uh, character is Huntress, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who this is not the point, but she is the hottest goddamn thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, oh my god. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, there's a MacGuffin, which is a diamond, and the street thief who stole it and then swallowed it and all the bad guys are trying to get her and they end up coming together to protect her and kind of save the day. There's no Joker, there's no Batman. Almost like the only character with any kind of superpower is um, Dinah who is Black Canary and the Canary Cry shows up once. But it's really, the point is just that it's a movie about women 
who end up working together. It's about women escaping from abusive boyfriends and other toxic men in their life and realizing that men are, in this case, no good. It's not quite as universal with that message as Hustlers was, but it's pretty close. Um, And I just, it was really funny, and I really liked it. And it's doing medium at the box office, like... There are all these articles that are like, it's failing. It's not. It's already made back its entire budget. But it's not like a blockbuster. So anyway, I would recommend people who are curious about it to go see it. There's there's some violence which made me go, because I don't like gore. But it's overall not that bad in terms of gore. So yeah, go see it. It was really good. Cool. What would you recommend this week? <laughs> um, I would recommend, uh, so the uh, animated short Hair Love is on YouTube. It's about six minutes long and you can watch the whole thing. Um, and it won an Oscar for a reason because it is precious. I cried. I cried. And I cried before the thing that happens at the end. I cried about halfway through. <laughs> it is a little girl and she is, wakes up and she's a little black girl who wakes up. She's very excited. She runs into the bathroom with her cat's help. She's going to do a hair tutorial on YouTube with her giant crazy hair and she's going to get it under control and she's going to look just like the woman in the YouTube videos and she can't do it. Her hair is too big and powerful and she's only a very small bear and then her dad is like, I'd love to help but I don't know what I'm doing either and the girl cries and her dad's like, okay, let's try and he tries and it doesn't really work and then he, he tries again and that's where I cried and I won't spoil how it ends but it is six minutes long and the only voice you ever hear is the voice in the youtube tutorial which is isore isore i believe and uh it's wonderful and it will it's six minutes long and it's on youtube and you should watch it because i had so many feelings it's so good it's so like lovely and beautiful and yeah i i cried all the way through honestly i didn't even need the part at the end that i think is supposed to be the emotional kicker i didn't need that part because i was already like oh that's so bad Uh, oh i guess this is where i'm supposed to get emotional I'm good. <laughs> uh, so that was great. All right, Becky, where can people find us? Oh, boy. Um, people can find us all over the internet uh, on Twitter as at rnbjudgepod, on Instagram as Rachel and Becky Judge. You can find our back episodes on our website, rachelandbeckyjudgethings.com. You can email us, rnbjudgepod at gmail.com, and you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or the podcatcher of your choice. Yeah, this is our 55th episode. Oh my god. Yeah, 55 episodes. Really? Yeah. This one's a week late, but it's the 55th episode. <laughs> Listen, last week was just not. Some weeks are just not. Yeah, we try our best, but uh, turns out even when you share an apartment, you don't even see each other once a week. I have barely seen you yeah. in like a month. Yeah, that's all right. All right, so uh, we will talk to you guys, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.